everybody to another edition of the CarCasts. As our one of our many legions of fans tells us, this will be episode 56. The, uh, the uh, Zubov episode. The Zubov episode. <laughs> Stars play the Tampa Bay Lightning tonight. And with that, actually, Sean, do, they played a pretty good hockey game tonight. No, they did. It they was... were, compared to the previous two games, losses to, to Philadelphia on the road and St. Louis at home. This was a much better team performance. Um, Except for one glaring part of it, yeah. which is the power play. Yeah, but my view of it, this was their best even strength game in about five games. It's since been the New a Jersey, while. Since the New Jersey it? game. Uh, when Look. they won 5-4, to four, that, that was the last... Uh, and this was even better five-on-five five game than that New Jersey game where they let up four goals. Um, this was this was a very good even strength game. They didn't finish, but this was a very good overall game at even strength and five-on-five. And they really defended a dangerous offensive team with Tampa. Put it this way, Tampa Bay has won 19 of their last 22, including tonight. Only six times have they been held under four goals scored in, a, in that stretch. This was one of those six. Unfortunately... Sean, there are four and two in those games, including tonight. They yeah. win no matter what the scenario is, and once again, they avoided. They've only lost back-to-back games once this year. It would have been twice had the Stars won tonight, and Dallas certainly could have. And we'll get to that. But uh, this is a this is the class of the NHL right now in Tampa. They are just an amazingly balanced team. They're well put together. I actually think they were right for the taking tonight. Yeah, and you look at what the Stars did tonight, and we're going to talk a lot about the power play, but I just want to, real quick, just to focus on what they, they did at even strength, which is an area where the Stars haven't done this recently. In Philadelphia, St. Louis, it wasn't good. Um, I look at a game tonight where they were really good in all aspects of the game, um, at 5-on-5, five five, and they just made two mistakes. They had... They, Alexander Radulov lost his man on the first goal. Yep, got and, chasing the puck. And then at the end of the game, they had a miscommunication that led to a penalty when pulling the goalie. They made two mistakes at even strength. Uh, that, made, at even strength, right. Yes. They made one more mistake, which was a mental lapse uh, tactically. That was on the power play, though. could have created a power yeah. play five on three. We'll that get was, to that. That was on the power yes. play, though. We're talking about even strength, yes. right. Yes. Well, and they also gave up a four on four goal. Which was technically at even strength. Yes. So there's that. Yeah, but that was the uh, that was the uh, that was a goal where that one was a bit more of bad luck in my view as a far as bit. yeah. Heck of a shot. Yeah. Waited for the screen. Yeah. Went in. Yeah. All that stuff. Okay, so um, going back to the first period. Teams really traded rush chances early in the game. It was a fun first period because oh, it was. there were a lot of opportunities to score on both sides, but only one goal. It was. Uh, I really like Sean some of the things they did offensively, but they didn't quite put together the finish. And there's the problem of they've played now what? They scored two goals in their last three games. Yeah, it and was, that's a problem. Yeah, it was kind of the first period was kind of almost retro Lindy Ruff hockey. It was yes, uh, trading. There was. Really great chance for Sagan and Radulov, where it's just there's a, the whiff at the end. It was, um, I think it was Yanmark and Radulov had a pretty good chance, I think. Um, and then there was also even Air, um, Andrew Cogliano, the new addition. And Boy, Spencer set him up well. Yep, they had a pretty good chance there, too. Yeah, they was, had a couple. Uh, Radulov and Yanmark both had tip plays off of Taylor Fadoon shots late in the first. Yep. That 
were a really good chance to score. Vasilevsky was a very strong goaltender in the opening period. Yep. No, he was good. He was really good. He was really good all night. He's, yes. he's a good oh, goalie. I didn't want to oversell the rest of the highlights. Yes. But you're right. No, he was very yeah. good. Second period it was really it's, fu it's funny. They were, my count was 18 quality chances in the first period combined between the two teams. Yeah. There was nothing in the first eight minutes of the second period, which is ironic because that is the best offensive period statistically for both teams. The Stars are plus 13. Tampa's plus 1,000. Not really. It's like plus 7,000. 35 <laughs> million, whatever. No, they're insanely good in the second period. Obviously, they're a great team on the rush. When you get the long change, they really can stretch you out. But the Stars didn't give up anything. And then Tampa started a, a penalty box parade. Yep. And the only thing the Stars didn't do was score because they had plenty of entries. They had plenty of puck possession, time in the offensive zone, shots, some good quality chances. Radulov had a couple. Sagan had a backdoor play from Ben blocked, which was it looked promising. The save of the game was Vasilevsky on Foxa, who took a centering feed from Radulov from, what, three feet? Yep. And... You have to watch the replay in slow-mo to see how great that save was. Yeah, it was a... Uh, it's something... Even watching the replay of it, I hadn't watched... You showed me the slow-mo when we were walking out of the arena. I hadn't seen the slow-mo until then. Um, it's a save where Vasilevsky is... It's a bit lucky. It's a bit positional where he gets it with the wrist. He gets it with the wrist. And it's not... And his glove has any... It's a position where his glove is actually kind of... It's kind of in almost in a backhand spot. Um... For, I'm trying to describe this as best as possible for audio. It doesn't play well as yeah. you put your hand up. Yeah, I know. As you can see by my hand. No, we can't see. Okay. Yeah. But basically, it was really <laughs> well. It was it was a combination of luck in both positioning for Vasilevsky, just as far as making himself take up as much of that net as possible. Really nice save. And that that chance by Fox, it's interesting because that was a great save, obviously. But the other thing Fabulous is... Fabulous save. That was a situation where the Stars should have been on a 5-on-3 power play. Yes. No. So yes, that... Yes. That, um... Let's, we'll go back to... I yeah. just want to say one thing about the goaltender. You're absolutely right. He was a little bit fortunate because the puck... Oh, it was a great... No, it was a great... But was, as a former soccer goalie, and you're as a hockey goalie, yeah. they always teach you to take credit for being positionally sound. Oh, I'm, so not, I'm, not, I'm not taking credit away. Because you're in the right place, even though you didn't necessarily make the perfect rep. I thought it was a phenomenal Oh, save. it was a great save. Yeah. I'm not taking anything away from it. Well, the start, like, Fox was unlucky because yeah. he did elevate the shot. It was over the pad, and what, maybe an inch up or down it goes in? Yes. And even, yeah. even if it hit his arm, an inch higher it deflects up and in or down and in. I mean, it is just uh, the margins are razor thin of that not going in. Yes. So, uh, but earlier, Sean, you were talking about. Stars are on a five-on-four power play, and they and draw a penalty. Four-minute five-on-four power play. Right, because Victor yeah. Hedman took a holding call, grabbing Val Machuskin, and then berated Daniel Haller and, and didn't realize... For a guy who's a veteran, you'd think that Hedman would be able to, to stop at some point. He didn't stop talking, and he said something to get an extra two. Yeah, and that one actually... The Stars actually did a good job of drawing penalties tonight. Very good job. But Victor Hedman helped grease the wheels a little bit on right. that. That was. It also kick-started the second period because there weren't that many open chances. I think both coaches adjusted and said, well, let's not give up as many rush chances against. And so we saw a kind of dull first eight minutes or so. And then this Stars power play really kicked into gear. And they, they dominated the opportunities. 
But Sean, they're on the five on four. Five on four. It's about a. They'd have about a minute and a half on five on three. At least you, I, I saw it when when the penalty went off. I had one thirty-seven. Anyway, okay, it was yeah, over yeah, ninety yeah. seconds. Yeah. All they had to do was situational awareness of get the get a whistle so you can get a five on three. Because what they did is they had the delayed call. Who open charges to the bench? They had it six wasn't, on four. It wasn't much of a charge either. Okay, well he got there. He be be entered. It was. They had a six on four power play, but let's face it, five on three is up more optimal or more preferred to a six on four. Yes, and they were in a spot where instead they go from six on four. At one point they tried to set up a one timer with it, where they missed the net and ended up clearing the zone and and lost more time. Lost more time, and then to put the cherry on top of all of this kind of mess with how they handled it. Jamie Ben goes too right. close to that. So, so they actually were going to get a five on three. They're going to get a five on three anyway. But then, or or they would have just gotten an additional two minutes of a power play, depending on how long. Right. Either way, right. either they were, they were getting the power play, an additional additional power play time. Then they um, it gets evened out because Jamie Ben takes a goal interference penalty. Uh, it's a bowling over Vasilevsky, uh-huh, and it just. It negates what could have been a golden opportunity. Right, a five-on-three with that t- that unit, the way they've been moving the puck, you'd like their chances, especially for about ninety seconds. Oh, of course. Yeah. Fox is on the ice and gets that great chance because Jamie Ben is in the box because it stays five-on-four. They still have about a minute, and they have. I mean, that Sean, that would have tied the game. I know it's woulda, coulda, shoulda, but that was a great opportunity. Uh yeah. I no, that was an opportunity where that's that's an opportunity where you can. I don't know if you can say you can win the game there, but that's where you score, and then, you know what? Then you're looking at a spot, okay, hey, we can beat this Tampa team. That's the type of situation where if you it's score... It's a winnable game. Yeah, for sure. And it still was going into the third, but then the Sergeyev goal goes in. Yep. And now it's two, and at that moment, there was still lots of time. There was half of a period left. It was off in the face-off, but I, you just... And I, I don't want to sound overly negative, but I don't know about you, but as soon as that went in, I said, well, that's going to be a... They, they, they're having trouble scoring. Vasilevsky's been great. That's too steep of a hill to climb, and it's only two goals. Yeah, it felt like the game was over. It felt then. like that was yeah, it. That was it. That's what it felt like, and that's what it was. Vasilevsky made a couple of saves afterwards, but you know what, Sean? Tampa did not give up a lot. No, no, they didn't. Tampa did they it. really locked Tampa it down. Tampa played to the score very well in the third period. Um, and the other thing they did, too, that... that Give Tampa credit on the penalty kill while the Stars had some chances and shots. Tampa did a really good job of letting Vasilevsky see everything. Yes. Really good job of him of, of making it so. Oh, and by the way, I, I missed this earlier. How about the Klingberg play late in the second period where he brings the, the post? Yes, yes. He fakes out the first defender, gets him to commit and dive, skates away from beautiful puck control, and then rips one, has Vasilevsky beaten, yeah. and hits a, again, look. What it could have should have doesn't get you points, but if it's it's it, this if you had this game, Sean, after two wins, you go, oh man, the team's playing really well. They could have beat this one tonight, yeah. but it, you you pair it after the two losses, and people are already more frustrated. Yes, and, and the, the trade. Yes, everything on that. Uh, let's let's before we get to lightning round and talk, take go to the people's questions. I think that's something where. The trade is something I think we need to touch on. I think we should. So, Andrew Cagliano traded for Devin Shore, one for one. Um, situation where I actually I actually think it's a uh, it's a trade where I know initially people were looking at it and said, oh, we traded a 31-year-old for a 24-year-old. 
And you look at the dollars. And you look at the, the dollars. You look at the dollars and contract length, and, and you start to poo-poo it a little bit. But I actually think for the 2018-19 Dallas Stars, this was the right move. Yeah. Now, long term, you're gonna have to figure. I'm, I'm not. I don't know how it'll work in 2019-20 or 2021. But it's not super long term, and the money yeah. is not that much. It's not yes. like you're adding another seven and a half million dollar contract for two more years. I thought for this team, this was a move that made the Stars better. This was a player yes. bringing in a player who. The Stars have admitted that they've been looking for some leadership. They're looking for some people to be that secondary group who can step up. Cogliano adds that. I also think he's a guy who they don't have enough players who play the way that Montgomery wants them to play right now. As he's far, a prototypical yeah. yes. Montgomery guy, yes. for sure. They, they don't have enough guys with his speed, with his ability to get on the forecheck. One thing that I really like about uh, Cogliano, and I had done this before, I saw a little bit of it tonight, and I went went and watched his last four games with Anaheim and then pulled the pulled some clips for a film room that ran today um, that you can see at The Athletic where one thing that impresses me so much is you'll be watching and this is actually more impressive on video on TV because well, if you watch the, the video screen because you'll be watching the Ducks would make a change the te- other team would be breaking out like, like oh they made a change it's time for us to go and then Cagliano would be right there he'd be the first guy in the first right, guy in disrupting the play in. yeah he does a really good job of disrupting the forecheck and he, disrupting the, uh, the... They call the... the coaches yeah. call that F, the F1, the first yes. forecheck. Yeah, and he does a really good job of playing defense 180 feet from his own net. Which is where everybody yeah. wants to play. Yes. I mean, Ken Hitchcock talked about that a lot last year. He said, we used to trap in the neutral zone or in our blue line. Now we want to trap in their zone. Yeah, it's... it's I, I thought he was good. I thought Cagliano was good tonight. Um... I thought it was it's an interesting trade because it, it's awesome. Ready for some dynamite insight on Cogliano? Yes, definitely. We had him on our postgame show. Okay. He, Lee Cogliano. The Andrew yeah. <laughs> He said to us that he did not feel good tonight. Okay. He said he didn't have, his, his legs didn't feel great, and it was kind of understandable when you consider the sudden nature of the trade, being discombobulated, trying to get used to a new city, traveling not really knowing the teammates all that well. He just said, I don't. I didn't like how I felt. He it said he expects to feel a lot better Thursday against L.A. And, of course, he yeah. won't have to travel to come in. Yeah. And the other thing, Sean, is I know we talk about teams jet-setting all the time and they should get used to it. Traveling back east in time zones always is harder. Well, this was two hours forward. He's still trying to get his clock going. There I always, when I, when, when I travel with the Texas Stars or other AHL teams, always had trouble, more trouble adjusting coming back east than going out west. And this was a road game for Cogliano. Like, think about it that way. This right. was a road game for him. He flew in last night. Um, even the... Uh, right, morning skate was the first time he skated with his t- new teammates. But even... Even Tampa was here yesterday. Yeah. Like, like, I mean, if you think about it, well, Tampa was... They like, didn't fly down. Yeah, yeah, so it was... This was more of a road game for Cogliano than anyone on the ice. And like, he had to play commercial, which, let's face it, oh, I know. I mean, it's not that bad, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. it's not... Like, you get used to flying on the charter flights. Yeah. So anyway, the point is, is that Cogliano told us afterwards that he didn't feel great, and he expects to be a lot better. I still liked what I saw from him, yeah. and knowing that there's more is encouraging. Yeah, I think... 
And I think he works well with Spezza. I'm not sure about the uh, the Condra part of it. Yeah, I think there. You, you need. I think you need someone. I mean, it, let the, me ask the, you about that. The problem is the person. There's not the person there who is that goal scorer because I think Cagliano could be a real point producer with another goal scorer. Yes. That you just don't have that goal scorer. Well, let me ask you about. I, I like Eric Condra a lot. He's a yeah. great guy. He's a consummate pro. But I think that to make that fit, you need somebody a little faster. Now, Condra's smart, and he'll probably continue to play on that line for at least the short term. I had a bunch of questions during our post-game show asking about other players and guys from the AHL that could come up and do it. And I think in the long run, a guy like Gurionov might be an answer for that, but it's not there yet. We've seen yeah. him have good games and then tail off, which is disappointing but understandable. I think that that's where, and we'll probably get questions about yeah. it, but that's the, the top six spot that you could add yes. that most impacts. I do think that you need another center. I don't know if Jason Spezza's best days as a 2C are there, but if you had Cogliano and a legitimate uh, right wing or, or left wing scorer with Spezza, or the other op other way to look at it too is, or to add with Ben and Sagan and put Radulov, you yeah. could mix and match. Yeah, but or or I think if you found another person that could ride with Sagan and Radulov, that, if right. you put Ben with 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 uh, Spezza and Cogliano, I think it could work too. Yeah, I mean Cogliano can play all three positions in the forward lines, so that's good. Um, but and and look, no yeah. disrespect, Condra played fine tonight, but it wasn't. He scored a goal the other night, and that's more than most of the other call-ups have done. Yes, which is a plus, and the coaching staff really likes his his hockey smarts. But if you want speed, you need somebody along with Cogliano can really. I almost thought if they might consider putting Yanmark with him. The way Monty was talking about him this morning, I thought it might happen because those two would work together well with speed. But Sean, then nope. You need a natural finisher somewhere. Yeah. Somebody's got to be able to put the puck in there. Yes. All right. All right, let's Let's, go, let's talk about lightning the trade. Yeah, lightning round. No pun intended. We did play the lightning tonight. Ah, yes. It's the only time of the year we'll do a home car cast with the lightning round about the lightning. Uh, first question is one that we'll just... We already covered. It says, in the second period, stars in the power play with him in the box. Red flags. Um, the red flags to rally for the trip. Stars... Basically, the question of why did the yes. Stars give the puck right away? It was a mistake. It was a mistake. Well, it was a mistake, and it was a mistake that was admitted by all those involved. Everybody. So, they just said, yeah. wow, we missed it. Yep. Um, if Dallas makes a trade for a top six forward, how can they make it work cap-wise, and who do you think Dallas is looking at? Well, um, let me. I can answer this because I've gone through all the cap stuff, and I've had it explained to me hundreds yes. of times now. Feel free. Um, essentially, if the Stars are making a trade for a top six forward, one of two things is happening. Either they are unloading big salary, which is the more unlikely option, or the more likely option is... Hold on, quick side yeah. note. It's hard to unload big salary because those that have it have control with no-move clauses. Yes. So they can't be traded without waiving it, but they're also the guys that you probably don't want them to exactly. unload, yeah. with maybe one or two exceptions. But most of those guys are ones that that you want to keep around. So the other option is... So the other option, the more likely option is, you look at Mark Mathot's season might be over. Martin Hansel's season might be over. J Steven John's season could even be over. If all three of their seasons are over, the Stars will actually have $12 million in cap space. Right. That's what I mean. You tons can, of space. In, in theory, now listen. In theory, in theory, in theory just let's, let's, let's think about it this right. way. If you want to play, if you want to go home and you want to play armchair GM and you want to do an NHL 19 or cap friendly or whatever, think about yep. this. Give the Stars $12 million cap space. Think about the time of the season. 
You can add an entire second line for twelve million dollars. Yeah, you can do a lot of things <laughs> yeah. for that. But it's you can't just sign free agents. No, you, you have so to, you have to, you have to be willing to part with money. So you have to be willing to part with it's assets and first round picks. Picks, not necessarily just first round. I mean, but, but you can like, put together like, packages. Like, yeah, yeah. So and. and I don't know if you need three more bodies, but... But, but I'm just saying you have the space to do so. I would say, Sean, that a top six... I wanted to see a winger, a center, and then if you're really getting greedy, a veteran defenseman. If you are presuming that you won't see Mathot or Johns again this year. That would be my wish list. Goaltending I'm I'm good with. Yes. But that... Look, it's not cheap. So... There's, I think there, there are plenty of names out there. The question is, are the Stars willing to make that decision to shut down the one, two, or three of those players? Yeah. Or all three. Here's a trade question. If the Stars were offered Nikita Zaitsev and William Nylander, Nylander for Jamie Benn and John Klingberg, w- would they say yes to this trade? No. They would not. Not a chance. No, they would not. Sorry. Move on. Look, it's fun to play what-ifs, but you have to have at least balanced value. I like William Nylander. I was hoping that the Stars might find a way to yeah. grab him as a complimentary piece to Ben Sig and Radulov, not in in uh, replacement of. And I think that well, that's, the, 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 the value me, of that's terrible. For me, the one is the is the, Kling, is the Klingberg one. Klingberg, oh my has, God. Klingberg has arguably the best contract in the NHL. And like he's a fabulous offensive defenseman. And I just don't see the value from Zaitsev. Do you? I don't know. I don't either. And, and look, Jamie Ben. there's plenty of critics of his game. He's still a and, very good top six no, forward. No, and there are situations, and there are certainly situations I can see where you could just, if you if you gave me, there are situations you could give me that would justify trading Jamie Ben. but it is not for Zaitsev. Remember what the Colorado Avalanche and their GM Joe Sackett did to unload Matt Duchesne and the return they got, that's the ballpark you're looking at. Yes. That's where you you have to, if you were ever going to do that, first and foremost, you'd have to have him actually admit or agree to a trade. Yeah. That's probably not going to happen. Yep. So that's one. Jamie Benn has all the control there. And if it was even a good idea to move him, which I'm not so sure it is, but if it, it would be, you need to have a haul coming back. And... You know, Sean, they'll never do it, but if they were talking about Marner or Matthews and somebody, maybe you talk about something. But yeah. uh, Nylander, great player, not enough. Yeah. Um, do you think Monty should have called a timeout at some point during all this power plays? Furthermore, has Monty ever called a timeout outside of four minutes remaining in the third? To answer the second question, yes, he has. There's been, time, uh, I think, three or four weeks back, he called a timeout in the first period, I think it was, when they were on a slow start. Um, I have to look up the game, mm-hmm. but um, there are two reasons why he hasn't done that more, right? One yes. is you cannot challenge for offside on a potential goal if you don't have your timeout. Yes. And so if you're going to challenge, you need to have your timeout. So that's one. If you do the, don't do that, you take that away, especially if the linesman were to miss a call. Now, we haven't seen that a lot, but it's nice to have that there. Plus, many coaches, well, not unwilling to use it, like to try to hang on to it as much as they can because they do get three media timeouts a period. It's not yeah. like they don't have chances to catch a, catch a breather, talk it over. 
It has to be really egregious, like, for example, in St. Louis last week when the Stars scored their third and it was a bad goal. That was a good time for Greg Berube to use his timeout. Yes, yes. They got a goal right afterwards, but then the Stars shut the door and that was it. I, I, and I don't think the I don't think using it on the power play would have worked because I think there was enough positives in the power play tonight. Um, while it was the results weren't there, I think there was enough positives to at least be like, okay, there's something here. Um, right. I mean, yeah, they created chances. Yeah, it, they it, had. It, Zone time. Yeah. I don't think they won the net front battle. No, they didn't. Tonight. No, not in the power play. They did it five on five. They were fine. Yeah, yeah. Do you think they won it or do you think they just didn't lose it? That's that's five. kind of the answer. They didn't lose it, but they didn't lose it. Because, for example, yeah, yeah. tonight the Stars in the process lost the special teams battle because they didn't score on the power play. Yes. They didn't give up a power, power play goal against, yeah. but yeah. they lost it because of they, they had yes. 10 minutes of power play time oh, yeah. and did not score. Yes. Um, okay. Chris Howard says, I highly doubt the Stars are one piece from cup contention. Is it even worth trading from a depleted pool of prospects for a top six score? Is the goal for Tom Gillardi to make the playoffs at all costs or contend for a cup? Because if it's the latter, it's multiple trades. Well, I, I actually, disagree with that last part. I actually I, I disagree because I think um, while you're more of a cup contender with multiple trades, I think with the core, with the top talent you have, and with the goaltending the Stars have, they're a team that if they're they get a playoff spot yeah, right now, if they're a team that in the playoffs, if you had if you added that one piece to add that threat and alleviate some things throughout, they're a team that you can make a case. Any any, any team can win it if they get in. That's right. That's that's the other thing is like it's not it's not the NBA. It's not you yeah, don't have yeah. to be the top seed. Yeah. For example, Sean, Washington, all those years, Presidents yeah. trophies, all those second round exits. Mm -hmm. Conference finals couldn't get through it. Finally, win it last year. Tampa has been really close with Ben Bishop. In fact, yep. getting to the Cup final, being the, I mean, they are they are the best team in the NHL right now, and it's not even close. And yet, nobody's handing them a Stanley Cup because they know nope. just how difficult it's going to be to, to get through that. Here's the thing. Chris is wrong in his question right now. The Stars can make the playoffs as they are. Mm -hmm. The reason why Jim Nill and Jim Montgomery both are sounding the alarm right now isn't because they're afraid this team isn't good enough to make the playoffs. They want to actually try to elevate the expectations to the point where they could do something in the playoffs. I think this team right now probably loses in the first round, but they get in. If yes. you add another piece, then you make it interesting. And like you said, with the goaltending and the way that the team defends structurally, it's a style that wins the playoffs. Right. But they need at least another option up front. They need to have two lines that can score because when you're on the road and you don't get that matchup, or even at home, you need somebody else to come behind the top line and continue the momentum, and they just don't have that. Yeah, we got two more, and then we'll, then we'll okay. close up here. Um, yeah, we're not going to do a 50-minute no, podcast. No, no. Do you see the All-Star break helping or hurting the Stars of the schedule they have in February? Who needs to rest the most on the team that could help their production? Um, good question. I think it helps because I think that every, because everybody's having the break at the same time. Mm -hmm. The one where they had staggered, there were a bunch of games where teams were coming off of a break and playing teams that weren't, and they the teams that were on the coming off the break lost most of those. So yeah. I think it's it's better that they're that was two years ago. Last year they tried to time it up so the teams that had the I really like that they're all at the same because then you don't have vast gaps in games played in the standings. Yeah. And as you try to make hay of where that is, it's more lined up. But I think the one that stands out to most is Miro Haskinen. 
Yeah. He's never played this many games uh, as he will by the end of this year because in the Finnish Elite League, they just don't play 80 games. They play yeah. 45 or so. You know, he played a ton of hockey last year, but going to World Juniors and the but, Olympics. But even and, those games took away from his, his Finnish Elite League. And yeah. we're talking about a handful of elite games not yeah. playing 20 or 30 or 40 more. So... In the last few games, Sean, he hasn't been poor. He's been fine. But he hasn't been quite as dynamic as he was in the first 30 games or so. I yeah. think a break will really serve him well. Even though he does have to go to the All-Star game. Yeah, but he'll still get time yeah. after that. The uh, Who do you think? Anybody else? Um, I think the other, the other one, I think the biggest benefit for a couple guys, I think there's two people that come to mind. One, I think this is going to be really, Jason Dickinson and I talked about this quite yep. a bit, is I think this is going to be really good for Jason Dickinson in his return because he said, it's. he told me when when I worked on that story with so him Still think he's going to play on Thursday? He might, he might not. Even if he doesn't, he, he told me that the one thing he likes about coming back around the bye week is if he, if he plays one game before or two games before, he comes back and he's kind of on the same playing field as everyone else. Right. It's not like he's trying to play catch-up. I think the same thing can be said for some other guys who are trying to... I think it's good probably for Alexander Radulov to take off a week and just be Yes, away because of the way he plays. I think yeah. it would be good for Jamie Benn, too. Yeah. The, the hardest part for the older players... Jason is, does it hates the break. Right. Yeah. And the reason why is that as you age, we all know this, yeah. it's harder to, rec to keep your fitness if you take time off. The, it, you lose your, your conditioning quicker as you age. And if you take a week off, then you go, oh, i got to get back into this. Younger, you do one workout and you go, oh, I feel much better. It's great. So it's going to be harder for those guys. But mentally, it's great for everybody. Yeah. Last, uh, last one. I like Monty and think he seems like a good coach. He seems like a guy that we will see in the league for a long time. Do you agree? Yeah. i actually seen a couple of people in the last few days tweet out angry things. I know that's yeah. anger on Twitter is hard to believe, but um, about... Really? I know, I know, I know. It's just stunning. It, the internet is a happy place. But no, um, I've seen some, some negativity from some of the fans towards the coaching staff, and specifically Montgomery, and I don't. And I think part of it was is that he's very direct and honest, and some people aren't used to that. Many people aren't used to that. Coaches just don't usually tell you exactly what they're thinking all the time, and he does. And when he said a culture of mediocrity, a lot of people have talked about this in private. Yeah. They just have never said it out loud. Mm -hmm. But I think that Montgomery's blunt take on things. Now, he's not saying it to... He said this... I thought this was a really interesting quote when he spoke to Dan Rosen, who wrote a piece for the NHL website. He says, I'm not smart enough for a hidden agenda. He, he's selling himself short. He is. But he's not. He's not. He's just simply telling you what he sees. He's not trying to secretly send messages to his team, to his players, individually. He's we've just, seen other coaches do that. A lot. Yes. He's just telling you, this is what I see. Mm -hmm. And I think the players really respect his honesty. Yeah, I think it's it's a thing where obviously every coaching every coach, not every player is going to get along with every coach. No, but there is everybody like some guys love Ken Hitchcock. Other guys can't stand playing for Ken Hitchcock. Mm -hmm. it, it works for all coaches. Yeah, it's a situation where although I, think, I don't know if I've heard anybody, Sean. Sorry to jump in here. I don't know if I've heard anybody say they don't like playing for John Cooper. I like hearing him talk hockey. Uh, John Cooper's great. Yeah. I think Jim Montgomery is a great young coach, and I think that people need to realize that he is try I mean look he's most coaches aren't willing to admit when they've tried everything and said I don't know what to do. 
doesn't mean he's out of ideas. It just means he's tried everything. Nothing's happened. He's still going to keep trying things. Yeah. A lot of coaches are, feel that way. They just don't admit it like that. That's all. Yeah. So Montgomery just tells, hey, this is it. Uh, you know, I'm not ashamed to admit that I haven't figured out what works yet. Yep. Oh, the, I like. I, I. I. I don't want to sound too much like a partisan homer or anything, but I really. I like him, and uh, I. I think he can be a great coach for this team. We got one before the buzzer. If you want me to. If yeah, you go for it. From Alex. Um, tired of the same old questions, so let's switch it up. Did the stars in Cedar Park practice the same principles as the same principles process as the big club in order to prepare them for a call up at all? Um, I actually can. I was actually talking to our friend from 100 Degree Hockey, Stephen Meserve, earlier today. Yes. Um, How so? Um, I was talking. We were talking about the Michael Mersh immediate call up and send down. Yes, we were talking about that, um, and I was talking to him just kind of getting a little bit more of a state of things down there. And um, so the Texas Stars don't use a quote-unquote process checklist like the Dallas Stars have. There's not. That's Monty's thing. That's not Derek. They still have Derek Lack still can coach his. Coach his style. They allow that freedom, which I think is good. I think that's important. I agree because that's his main goal is to get players ready to come up here and play. Yes, and so and try to win. Yes, and so but they down there in Texas. It's interesting because I think they've actually done a pretty good job of taking and doing what the stars want to do at the NHL level, and they've been doing it down there recently in the AHL. They've been playing with pace. They've been playing with speed. They've been doing the things that the uh, that 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 kind of Montgomery has been preaching up here. So, yes, it's not an exact same situation where it's not it's not like where Laxdell is being asked to be a Montgomery clone. But and so there are some elements that he's asked to teach. But it's two different coaching staffs. But they try to keep the dialogue and the communication similar, so that when guys get called up, it's not like it's learning a new language. Right. Well, that was one thing yeah. that Hitch would talk about last year. Is he asked the coaches to use the same terminology, mm -hmm. so that there was more seamless transition from one club to the next, as far as AHL to NHL. It's going to be a difference, no matter if you play the exact same system, Sean, because of the speed, the sm hockey sense and smarts, the technical ability and skill of these players. Everybody notices a difference, even if it's identical. It still is different. Yeah. So there you go. Yep. Episode fifty-six in the bag. Fifty-seven will be on Thursday night as we have a Willie Desjardins reunion. You know, I'm looking forward to that. Got a candle, maybe? Who knows? Could be soupy. Uh, although I, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. They they got a point tonight in a shootout loss. They rallied to get a point against Minnesota. As, as, as you know, Willie, as someone who knows the moment, I wouldn't be shocked if Willie played Jack. I wouldn't. Yeah. Um, the other thing for Willie is that he the, the most important thing to, when you think about it, like most coaches, but he's hyper-focused on winning. Mm -hmm. He will put together the lineup. He's sentimental to those things, but he's going to do what he, best he can to try to win that game. Mm -hmm. It's a big deal. Yeah. It'll be fun to see him. Uh, glad he gets another opportunity. Wish that maybe he had a few more pieces to work with. But at the same time, Sean, and one, of th one final thought on Willie is that, look, he was up for some consideration with some of the hires. Dallas, he was on Dallas's radar, too. And one of the issues with Willie's last job in the NHL, which was his first head coaching venture with Vancouver, was that he put together kind of a patchwork lineup and got him to the playoffs with 104 points, I think it was, his first year. And then they kind of fell after that because he didn't have a lot to work with. The Sedins were transitioning into retirement, not ready for it, but weren't really the Sedins that they had been. And 
I'd love to see him get the chance with a proper NHL roster. Now, he's got some great pieces in L.A., but they haven't been a good team this year. Because I still think, even though he's in his 60s and the trend is starting to turn maybe towards some younger coaches out there, I still think Willie can be a guy that can be a heck of an NHL coach. But I do have a Calder Cup bias to that. You have a ring, too. That's what I mean. Yes. <laughs> Calder Cup ring bias. Everyone, uh, thank you for listening. We will... Uh, 57, right? Episode 57 coming up on Thursday. Stars and Kings. So long, Lightning. This was uh, this will do for 56. Uh, raise it to the rafters.